sing that chorus one more time. Jesus, he loves. Just raise your hands up to accept that love right now. We see it in front of us. That's what it's about. Say that one more time. Let's just open our hearts and when you 
elements, return to your seat, sit down, hold your elements, and I was going to have Pastor Brandy pray for uh, the rest of the elements with us this morning. So I'm believing that God's going to do good things through the blood and the body of Jesus. Father, we just thank you that we can open up to you right now and ask you to prepare our hearts. We're just going to worship you in our spirit, our hearts. We're going to ask for cleansing this morning. If there's something in our spirit or our heart that we need to find cleansing for, we know that you're there to cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus. We want a cleansing for our bodies, our sicknesses, our diseases. We want a cleansing for this church, for this country. We need you right now, Father. So we open our hearts to you and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you as you come.
let's just stand up one last time to worship the Lord. Sing about our good, good Father. Oh, He's so good. Hallelujah. Worship Him.
against all odds, against all odds, and the battle that we are in. And we're also going to refer to, I believe, the 23rd chapter of Exodus, because he repeats some of these same phrases. But uh, we want to begin in the 34th chapter. And this is in the middle of a long story, and you know, you know the story, but it was just before this that, that um, I'm sorry, 33rd chapter, I'm going to say about 34th chapter, that's the word of promises again renewed, but in the 33rd chapter, uh, right in that first verse, and we'll just read the first several verses. This is a reiteration of the promise from Exodus 23, and then he repeats it again in Exodus 34, uh, so he basically tells Israel three times. Uh, first one of, of uh, Exodus 33. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. And you will go up into a land flowing with milk and honey. And then he goes on and he gives a little bit of a challenge. And the reason he says, I will not go up with you because I, I will consume you is because you know the story that happened just before that. And that was when they made the golden calf. Moses went up into the mountain, took a little bit too long, they got impatient, so they created a golden calf and worshipped him. And of course, there was quite a bit of death that ensued from that. Uh, but in verse 5, he says, You are a stiff-necked people. I could come up against you, etc., etc. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments, that I may know what I do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. Same ornaments that they had just used to melt into the golden calf. And so now God says, Take off those ornaments that you just used, and we're going to begin the journey now. And so the children were, uh, of Israel were about to enter Canaan land. <clears throat> this was the culmination of great victories. Unbelievable provision. My goodness. Uh, deliverance. Incredible. Came out of Egypt. <clears throat> didn't lift a sword. Didn't lift a spear. Came out of Egypt. Of course, we know the story that the, the plagues uh, released them. And then the water that saved them also destroyed the Egyptians. Incredible provision. And God said, I'm going to bring you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, of course, to us, that's a little bit odd sounding, but to the Eastern mind of the time, milk and honey represented just about every blessing you could have. That was the Cadillac of life. Land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to bless you more than you could imagine. It would almost be like a, a land flowing with Chevy Tahoes and buffets. <laughs> but, uh, so the Lord says, that's the blessing that you're going to have. And two times the promise comes, and so let's just look at it since we're, since we're here. Flip back to Exodus, the 23rd chapter, because he adds a little something that's sort of interesting. Exodus, 23rd chapter, verse uh, 23 and 24. For my angel will go before you. And, and, and he adds this phrase, which is very interesting, and will bring you not into I-N-T-O, but will bring you in space to, in to the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Gentiles, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods and serve them, nor according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. And then I'll bless you, and I'll take away your sickness, I'll take away your disease, and I'll bless you with every blessing. Now, those are the promises. And I love the way he says, I will send you into the Amorites, right into them. But when you get there, don't bow down, don't serve them, don't go after their works, don't do them. I'm going to overthrow them in your midst. He says the same thing in the 34th chapter again. Both of these include promise, provision, and victory. But how many know this also includes great challenge? So we're going to look at three quick points this morning about where God brought and what he did. We're going to see, first of all, where he placed us, where he placed us. Second, what he has called us to do. Where he placed us, what he has called us to do, and finally, what he has promised. And that's a good thing to have this morning. So first of all, where he has placed us. I, I love that phrase, as I just mentioned. My angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites. Make no mistake. 
Pastor Dave and Judy just celebrated their 50th. And that applause was for Judy. And that's what it's all. 
told us uh, what to do. Greatly outnumbered, they were hilariously outwitted, they were monstrously outgunned, and God said, here's what I need you to do. Number one, destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. Do those three things. Destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. As good human beings would have it, instead of destroying their altars, they designed a brand new one. Instead of breaking down the sacred pillars, they built a new feast table. Instead of cutting down the wooden images, they took a wooden image and covered it in gold. <laughs> they created a calf. And this is interesting. When they created the calf, they didn't call it some strange god. No, no. They were smart. See, these Jews were smart. They called the calf Yahweh. You can read it. You can read it in the passage. It's fascinating. They said, this is Yahweh. And Aaron, the high priest, said, we will call a feast to the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, the Yahweh. We will call a feast to the Lord, and here is our Yahweh, and we will do that. So, interesting, they did something far worse than disavow or turn their backs on God. They replaced him with another image. Because in Exodus, the 20th chapter, God told them specifically, you shall worship no other God but me. So they played a game, like good humans, like good Pharisees. They figured it out, didn't they? And they said, well, we can't call them another God, so we'll just make a golden calf, and we'll call them Yahweh, and that'll be okay. We're not worshiping another God. Oh, no, 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 We're not worshiping another God. This is Yahweh. They replaced the invisible with the visible. They replaced the living with the dead. They replaced his working with their dead works. He re they replaced his personhood with their representative in the flesh. And I'm telling you right now, if you're listening in the spirit, you're already hearing what the spirit is saying to the body of Christ right now on this earth. We've got to stop replacing things that are God with other things that are not. They added the works of the flesh and they begin to celebrate. You know what the greatest sin was probably? The thing that turned God's stomach the worst is as you read through those sections, you'll find out that they danced the dances that they learned in Egypt. They were sensual and coarse fertility dances that celebrated the present victory and future blessing of a god or a goddess. And they danced that way before God. Now, you say, well, that was, that was ancient Israel. That would never happen now. And to us, I believe God is calling us to do the same thing as Israel. He's calling us to destroy the altars. He's calling us to break down the pillars. He's calling us to cast down images. You say, well, how do we do that? Paul tells us in Corinthians, casting down vain imaginations, bringing into captivity every thought, punishing every spiritual disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I believe that God in these last days is calling us to take off the ornaments of the world, to stop enjoying the ornaments of Egypt, to break our covenants with unholy things, to love the sinner but oppose their sin, to stop honoring corrupt political leaders, to stop kneeling before Sodom and Gomorrah, to stop being afraid of COVID, to stop listening to the death reports, to stop believing the lies, to stop worrying about socialism, stop worrying about everything that's coming, stop worrying about the country, just start keeping our eyes on Jesus. You say, why? Why? I, I have so many believers that, that, that are, are so concerned about the coming food shortages and things like that. Yeah, folks, <laughs> you know what? I hear a lot of Christians talk about how overweight they are, and then they're worried about the coming food shortage. <laughs> Sounds like a plan to me. So why, why, why do we need to, see, we need to set ourselves in preparation for what God's victory is going to be. And if I'm, if I'm lounging in Egypt, and I'm enjoying the leeks and the garlics, and I'm leaving that for you to interpret, I'm not making that interpretation for anybody in this place. Only you know what you need to do, not, not you. Me, I know what I need to do in my life. But, but whatever it means for you to, to accept a new holiness and to stop worshiping things you need that you're worshiping and to start moving away from things you need to move away from, that's between you and the Holy Spirit. But just be open to whatever he says. And you say, well, why do we need to do that? Because I need to place myself in position.
awesome things, and I will drive out the enemy. I will do marvels, he says first. You know what this word literally means? This word literally means to accomplish, to do something hard, to reveal something hidden, or to overcome something that is too high. Anybody have anything in your life right now that's too high to overcome? <laughs> anything, anybody have anything that's too hard? Anything too difficult? And that's why we serve this God who says, I will do marvels above and beyond what you can ask or even think. Is there anything too hard for me? Since when has impossible meant anything to God? Is there anything hidden from me? Is there anything hidden from you? Let him ask and God will give to those that are seeking. Is there something too high? Behold, the God of Jeshua in the Old Covenant says, who rides on the heavens above everything to see those who are faithful before him. He will do marvels and accomplish things for us that we can never do ourselves. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of trying to fight the Canaanites all by myself. Tried, I'm tired of trying to fight those Jebusites, Hittites, and Parasites, and everything else. Tired. So he's going to do marvels. The second thing he's going to do, he says, I'll do awesome things. Awesome things. Awesome things. I believe the Lord is saying to his church that the days are coming when you are going to stand in amazement and be awestruck by what you see. I will amaze you and you will amaze the world. Because am I not the God who brought water from a dry, dead rock? Am I not the God who hung manna on trees so that millions could eat? Am I not the God who opened wounds of barren women? Am I not the God who raised dead people? Am I not he who holds the keys of death and hell? And no one can take those keys from my hand. Just watch what God's going to do in these last days. I believe the greatest days are ahead of us. I believe most incredible things are going to happen. And none of us even know what they are. They're incredible things. And then he finally says, I will drive out the enemy. I'm a God, he says, that drives out the enemy. I'm a God that brings victory in imminent defeat. I'm a God that outnumbers the enemy no matter how big the enemy is. I'm a God that destroys so no one can rebuild, and I'm a God that builds so no man can destroy. My glory is not revealed only in the mountain, but it's also in the valley. I'm the one that keeps mercy for thousands. I forgive iniquity. I forgive sin. And I, I, no matter where you are as my children, that place, no matter how destitute it looks, no matter how much like a desert it looks, no matter how fallen and destroyed it looks, it's a place of victory and provision and outpouring. It's a land flowing with milk and with honey. In the furnace, have I not promised to be with you and be that fourth man? Listen, world, I'll tell you right now. If you throw me in the fiery furnace, you better pray that I die. Because if I come out with a fourth man, there's going to be heaven to pay.
reasons I, I shared with somebody, the only reason why I wanted to continue communion, because I thought, well, you know what? Why penalize the people that are there? You're here. You need more of a blessing, don't you? So why would we penalize you? So I believe those of us in this room, and I know that many are here because they're, they're genuinely sick. I understand that. But I believe that God is raising up a generation in these last days, and I think you're part of it, to say, you know what? We're going to come out of Egypt, and God, please have mercy. Get all of Egypt out of me, because I want to serve you. Father, we thank you for that. We know that you are about something incredible. It is, it is marvelous. It is so marvelous and so awesome that we can't even understand it. I, I have no idea what direction you're going. I, know, I have no idea what direction we're taking. But you do. Canaan and Israel had no idea. They knew there were Amorites and other things. And they knew there were giants and walled cities in the land. They knew there were difficulties there. But they had no idea how difficult it really was going to be in the flesh. They had no idea how they were going to destroy Jericho. No idea. And right now, Father, we are facing Jerichos in our lives and in our world that we have no idea how we're going to overcome. But Father, you give us the plan, and probably it's going to be a weird plan. It's going to involve weird things like breaking pictures and shopping. But we're going to watch Jericho fall. And you will do it. And when it's done, we will say it is marvelous in our sight, because this was the Lord's doing, not our own. I thank you for it, Father. We receive your blessing, your touch. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. You know, the Lord, the Lord works in really bizarre ways to do stuff. And uh, this past last week when I was subbing in a school, for the Tuesday and Wednesday I was there, school COVID had hit. And so the seventh and eighth graders were quarantined. And there was only one eighth grade guy there, and he was on the basketball team. One in class, I said, you know what, Jesse, let's just go down to the gym and you're going to shoot some hoops. <clears throat> and when I went down with him, I said, you know, I'm not going to do anything to you because I couldn't keep up with an eighth grader, ninth grader. So I said, but I'm just going to, you know, be in front of you and just sort of like block you and you can practice a little bit. Okay? I remember I had torn my shoulder with the rotator cuff here and a half ago. <clears throat> and it's been doing well, but now it's pretty much almost done. Well, we started playing, and I wasn't doing a lot. I wasn't going to jump. I wasn't going to shoot. I was just going to just, you know, just be a large obstacle in his way. Well, I started going a little bit too fast, and I tripped and fell. On my right side, I'm not kidding you. My shoulder has never felt better. <laughs> After I got up from the floor, I said to myself, oh my Lord, I got him up, this is bad. And the next couple of days, I was a little sore, and then all of a sudden, I realized what my wife had told my mother. I said, I'm reaching for more things. I, I don't know what happened. I fell, and maybe when I hit it, pulled it back down, or I don't know what happened. So I said, all that say this. Number one, if you're my age, don't be stupid. I could just see my feet looking up at me saying, what is he doing? He's going sideways and backwards. What is he doing? Doesn't he know that we only go forward very slowly? We better stop this before he hurts himself. But what you thought was going to happen did not happen, and it turned out better. I believe that's a word for all of us right now. What you think is going to happen, what you think the devil's going to do in the next year or two or five or ten, you don't know what God's going to do. And you're going to look back and go, wow, God, you did something so far beyond what I can ask or think. I can't even understand it. Hallelujah. Go praising him. Stay healthy. Stay happy. Stay blessed. In Jesus.